Hello and welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. This is Pastor Lyle Phillips, and we are so grateful that you are tuning in. We pray that this message blesses and encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to continue today in our series called World Changers. And I'm really excited about this series because I believe that every single disciple of Jesus is anointed by Jesus to change the world, to write history, to shake nations, to make an impact, to make a difference, and to leave the world a different place so that it's better for our kids, kids, kids. Amen? We believe that. That's one of the reasons why our church is called Legacy. And so we're really diving into some of the core uh, heart value of this house throughout this series called World Changers. And as we are diving into the series, we sought a word from the Lord in regards to 2020. And here is the word that we felt God was speaking out over our church. 2020, the year dreams come true. Well, anybody receive that, right? 2020, the year dreams come true. And that is not just the dreams that you're giving to God. Those are the dreams that God is giving to you. Church, we have a responsibility. Long before we write a list of goals and ambitions and dreams and all that out and give it to God in prayer, we first have to sit with Jesus in prayer with our heart postured to receive first his dreams for our lives so that we're not just doing our checklist, but we're doing heavens. Amen. Like that must be our ambition because success is obedience to God. Success is obedience to God. And here's how I know that 2020 is the year dreams come true. Because not only did the Titans beat the Patriots last week, but we would... Did you guys see this? Yeah, this is wild, man. This is crazy. But Titans actually beat the Ravens and like, like pretty easy, easily as well. Like it was, it was not, it was like a beat down. Like we didn't just beat him. It was like a beat down. And so I don't know what is prophetic about that, but I just wanted to pause for the cause and celebrate with you guys. Right. I think it's pretty cool. It's good. It's good to be good. Okay. We, ha- we, hadn't been, we hadn't been for a long time. You know, those who sow in tears shall reap with joy. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a biblical principle. I'll preach this point at some, t- at some point. I'll get there. But um, when we started saying 2020 is the year that dreams come true, uh, we also began to declare this over your life, that God's dream over your life is that you become a world changer. We even developed an affirmation that we said together last week, and I want to say it together again as we kick off today, but this is a declaration. I am a world changer. Everybody say it with me. I am a world changer. My life makes a difference. God has anointed me for impact. History is supposed to be different because I am alive. Now look at the person next to you say, do you believe that? Say yes. Yes, I believe that. I believe that. So we're going to go just a little bit deeper into this series today, and I'm excited for this message. I think it's it's going to be a fun one. 
um, but we're called to be world changers. And when we say world changer, you may ask, what does that mean exactly to you, Lyle? You're, you're telling me I'm a world changer, but what does that mean exactly? And here's my definition of a world changer. A world changer is someone who loves unto transformation. Is a some, it's someone who loves unto transformation. And we're going to dive deeper into that definition as the message goes along. But a world changer is someone who loves unto transformation. A world changer loves God and a world changer loves people until everything in sight is transformed. A world changer loves God and a world changer loves people until everything within the realm of their influence is transformed to look a little bit more like heaven. Amen. Uh, my spiritual mother, uh, pastor who ordained me, Mama Heidi Baker, she taught us it's always intimacy unto fruitfulness. It's always intimacy unto fruitfulness. It's always love unto transformation. Uh, if, you, if you're not seeing a situation in your life transformed, add love to it. If you're praying for somebody, you're meeting with somebody, you're loving on them, you're forgiving them. Like if you're not seeing the transformation, you know, God has spoken to you about for their life. Keep adding love. Just keep adding love. When cooking up a kingdom transformation, love is the main ingredient. Amen. First Corinthians 13, 13 says, and now these three remain faith, hope and. Love. But the greatest of these is. Paul teaches us that love is the greatest. And so to change the world, you're definitely going to need faith. And to change the world, you're definitely going to need hope. There is no doubt about that. But more than you need faith and more than you need hope, you as a world changer need love. You need love. And I've often thought, why in the world did Paul say that love was the greatest? And it's because love is eternal. You're not going to need faith or hope in heaven. But you will exercise in love, in your worship to God forever. Um, a true kingdom world changer is driven. Everybody say driven. By love for God and love for people. Okay, remember this. Write this down if you're taking notes. A true kingdom world changer is driven by love for God and love for people. I'm going to give you one more quote from Mama Heidi. She said, get paid in love. This was something that she did when she commissioned us out as missionaries. Uh, when we were leaving Mozambique, Africa, she said, guys, just get paid in love. Like when somebody invites you to preach, don't worry about the honorarium. Just get paid in love. Uh, when you go to the mission field, you may not get the nicest meals, but just get paid in love. Like it's okay. Like get love from the people that you serve and receive most importantly, love from the father whom you're obedient to. Just get paid in love. And last week we talked about who we are, our identity. Knowing who you are as a world changer is extremely important, perhaps the most important, that we know who we are. And it feels good to hear you're a world changer, you're a nation shaker, you're a history maker. We believe that. But let me ask you a question today, world changer. What motivates you to change the world? Why do you want to change the world? We said that a real kingdom world changer is driven by love. So let me ask you a question this morning, world changer. What drives you? 
What is driving you to change the world? What is driving you to make an impact? What is driving you to make a difference? What is the fuel that you're using as your motivation to make an impact, make a difference, leave a legacy? What is your fuel? Is it love? Is it likes? Is it, oh, that one hit. Is it, is it love? Is it, is it selfish ambition, the Bible calls it? What is it that is fueling you when you hear you're a world changer? Like, yes. And that's great because that's God's word over your life. But let me ask you a question, world changer. What is fueling you right now to be a world changer, to make an impact and to make a difference? Here's a scripture verse that I always go back to that makes me feel really awesome. It's Genesis chapter 12, verse two. It says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Who doesn't want that word from the Lord spoken over their life, right? And, and I will make your name great. This was spoken over Abraham. And then let's look at the New Living Translation because this is gonna work really well in our context in East Nashville. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. Now, when we read that out, we're like, woo, that's a, that's a word. Yeah, Lord, I receive that. Because our generation, right, what do we hunger for? We want to be significant. You, you ask uh, kids these days, what do you want to do? They say, I want to be a YouTuber. Why? I want to be famous. Don't you want to be rich? Well, I'll be rich if I get famous. You know, like that is the common confession today when you ask, what do you want to do? Okay, I get it. It's great. We can shout about it. God said it. God said we're going to be great. God said he'd make Abraham famous. That's awesome. It's cool. You want to be famous? Why? Got quiet in here. You want to be significant? Why? You want to have a lot of followers? Why? Oh, it's, it's very quiet. Why is it so quiet? You want to do something great? You want to be recognized? You want to be a notable person? Why? Is it for you or is it because of love of God and because of love of people? Because a true kingdom world changer is fueled by something. They're motivated by something. They know they're called to make a difference. They know they're called to make an impact. They know they're called to leave a legacy, but they don't just know who they are. They know why they're called to do it. They know what their fuel is and that fuel is healthy and that fuel is powerful and that fuel is, is helpful for the long game, not just for short-term results. Amen. And so today what I want to speak to you guys from is the topic discern the drive. All right. I want to ask you today, church, to discern your drive. We live in a city of people who are so driven. We live in a culture as we engage with technology where we're always being motivated, where we're always being encouraged to hustle harder and to do more. And I get it. You have drive. I respect the hustle. Well done. Way to get up early and go to bed late. Way to put in extra hours. But can I ask you this morning, world changer, why are you doing it? I know you're, I know, you know, you're called to be great. I know, you know, God says you're awesome, but, but why, why, why do you want to be awesome? So Lord, help us as we navigate this topic today in Jesus name. Everybody said, amen. So uh, my pastor, uh, Banning Liebscher, he texted me a couple of weeks ago and he said, man, check this out. He took a picture and it was a picture of his new book that he was writing. 
And he said, I just wanted you to see this paragraph because it's about you. And uh, thankfully, he didn't name drop me, but he called me a dear friend, which I was blessed by. But it wasn't one of my finest moments that he was sharing in the book. So I'm like, okay, I see. You're going to use my story as an illustration of what not to do in your book. I appreciate it, Pastor Banning. Thank you very much. No. I I felt very honored, but um, Pastor Banning invited uh, my wife and I to be a part of a collection of lead pastors throughout the United States. And and so we separated for a little bit between men and women, and we sat down in this room, and and Banning simply uh, posed the question to the lead pastors in the room. And these guys, man, like I look at them, I think they're heroes. You know, there are some people in the room that have written books that have impacted my life, that have helped launch movements that have impacted my life. And so I didn't really want to say anything, to be honest with you. But he asked the question, what fuels you? What drives you? You're all world changers. You're all anointed. You're all, you know, for the most part, somewhat well-known within your sphere of influence. But what is driving you to continue doing what you're doing? Because if your fuel is bad, that will determine how long you can stay engaged with your purpose to change the world. So let me ask you, what's fueling you? He was, at, he was asking everybody, what's fueling you? And they were talking about getting healthy and they were talking about, you know, exchanging bad fuel, regardless of whatever that was. Maybe it was pride or maybe it was ambition or uh, maybe it was ego or whatever. And they were talking, some of them were testifying about, man, that, you know, I exchanged that fuel for this more healthy fuel. And, and I've just been seeing so many beautiful things. I don't feel the pressure I used to. And I, I'm a son and I'm adopted. And, and so I'm waiting around for my, turn because I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to get healthy. I know, right? And because he's talking about, you know, having healthy fuel. And so once everybody spoke, I I just lifted my hand. I said, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't I don't really want to get healthy because I tend to utilize shame as my fuel. And uh, I don't know what's going to drive me if I get free and healed of my shame. What's going to get me up in the morning at 5.15 when, you know, the alarm clock goes off and I say, I got to hustle if I want to make an impact. I got to get up. I don't want anybody to get ahead of me. You know, I got to I got to prove to people that I should be in this position. You know, like what what is it that's going to fuel me if it's not shame, if it's not competition, if it's not comparison, if it's not feeling like I'm falling behind and then beating myself up on my way to bed? What's going to fuel me? To keep doing what I'm doing. Like, if I'm healthy, it won't grow. If I'm healthy, it definitely won't grow fast. (laughs) And my ego demands it grows faster. So so I was like, you know, I shared that in vulnerability. I mean, I was ready for the stoning. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And it it was awesome because everybody leaned in. And, you know, we prayed for each other and people are like, I hear you. I get I get it. I know what you're saying. And I recognize that there's so many people that I meet. And some of you guys I've had coffee with you or I've connected with you or, you know, DM or email or whatever. And I've noticed that a lot of us, we don't struggle with knowing who we are in our calling to be great, but we struggle with our drive and our fuel for why we want to be great. So often it's all about me and it's about my plans and about my goals and about my significance and about my success. And it's not about God's significance and success. It's not about God's word coming to pass through our life. It's not about our love for people like where we're willing to sacrifice on behalf of humanity for the things that God has called us to do. 
If your drive only leads you to become more selfish, it's not from heaven. Right? So I want you to discern your drive. I know you know you're called to change the world, but what's driving you to change the world? Here's what I've realized. Shame for fuel doesn't really work that well because you'll never make it to where God wants you to go running on fuel God doesn't want you to use. Let me say that again. You'll never make it to where God wants you to go running on fuel that God doesn't want you to use. If shame or anything else unhealthy is driving you, you may change the world, but not in the way that God designed you uniquely to change the world. You may make an impact, but it won't be the impact that God has called you to make. And wouldn't that be a shame if you got to the end of your life, having done all these amazing things and everybody knew who you were and you had this great impact, but then on your deathbed, you're having a conversation with God. And he said, I had something completely different for you to do, right? And so what is fueling you? You may go fast with bad fuel, but you won't go far. You'll burn out. Here's the thing I've recognized about your fuel. Your fuel actually determines your destination. Because we're going to Disney in about a week and a half, so I got Disney on the brain. I'm really excited about it. A little little baby moon, my wife's birthday action, so we're pumped on that, you know. But here's what I thought of. Like, you can't get to Disney on half a tank of gas. But we're trying to get to the promised land, fueling the engine with shame or with pride, or with ambition, or with ego, or with comparison. And we're letting these things be our motivator. Here's a, I'm mean, telling you, world changer, you're not going to get to where God has called you to go using fuel that God doesn't want you to use. Your, your, your fuel will determine your destination. So what's driving you? Is it love for God, love for people, or is it something else? Here's what I've realized. We tend to be driven by about five common things. And I'm going to give these to you with some scriptures real quick. But number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The, the, the five things that we tend to be driven by as humans. Number one is guilt. Uh, we, we tend to be driven by guilt. Guilt-driven people spend their lives running from regrets. Right? Here's what guilt-driven people are. They're manipulated by their memories. So so they're driven by by guilt. Listen, you may be a product of your past, but you don't have to be a prisoner of it. Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2 says, What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. Somebody needs to rejoice. What joy when sins are covered over. What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. In Christ, you are free from your past. And in Christ, you can be free from the guilt of your past. When you've repented of your sins, Jesus scatters them as far as the east is from the west. You no longer need to be driven by guilt. Amen. Number two is this, anger and resentment. This is something I, I've, I, I feel like I'm noticing a lot, you know, particularly if you get on Facebook. You know, it's like people are like driven by anger and resentment and they want revenge and they're offended. Yeah. <laughs> it's like offended is now like the, the popular thing to be. And we need to stop rewarding offense with attention. Just... Pray for them and keep scrolling. People driven by anger and resentment, here's what they do. They rehearse painful experiences over and over again in their minds and they refuse to forgive. 
they, they say, oh, I forgive them, but really what they're doing, they're, they're, letting that, they're letting that movie play over and over and over in their head. And they're, oh, I'm, next time they bring that up, I'm going to say this. I'm going to hit them where it hurts. You know, just anger and resentment. Here's the thing about resentment, guys, is that resentment always hurts you way more than it hurts the person you resent. Write this down. Those who have hurt you in the past cannot continue to hurt you now unless, big word, you hold on to the pain through resentment. Those who have hurt you in the past cannot continue to hurt you now unless you hold on to the pain through resentment. Here's what Job chapter five, verse two says, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. Job, oldest book in the Bible, coming with the heat, right? To worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. Number three, here's what we tend to be driven by, fear. Fear. Fear-driven people may be afraid for a good reason. Maybe something very traumatic happened to them in their past. We get it, we understand, but nonetheless, fear people, fear-driven people, uh, they miss out on so many great God opportunities because they're afraid to venture out of their norm. They're afraid to take risk. You know, they're afraid to believe for the impossible. And so what happens is eventually their fear becomes their prison. And they never venture beyond anything they're comfortable with because they're being driven by fear. First John 4 and 18 says there is no room in love for fear. Here we are once again talking about the potency and the power of the fuel of love. If you'll be driven by love, you won't be driven by fear. I know it's a simple statement, but let me say it again. If you choose to be driven by love, you won't be driven by fear. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear, right? It kicks it out. Love evicts fear without a 30-day notice. Like, it's just over, right? Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. If you're struggling with fear, know that God has more love to bring into your heart, to bring into your circumstance, to mature you in this area so that you're no longer driven in what he's called you to do by fear, but by love. So if you're afraid, let me just say this to you, just add love to receive love. Number four is materialism. It's things that we tend to be driven by. Folks who are driven by materialism basically have one goal, to acquire. Acquire more stuff, just need more stuff. And here's what I've learned about stuff, is that materialism actually peddles a myth. Uh, you know, it says, if you get more stuff, you'll be more happy. It ain't true. I can guarantee that. I can testify to it myself. I remember what we were making when we were married and we were broke. Now I got more stuff. I ain't really necessarily any happier. Just to be honest. Biggie said, more money, more problems. My man was right. You know, it's true. Materialism, it doesn't make you any happier. It doesn't make you any more important. It doesn't make you any more secure. Uh, possessions, they, they only can provide temporary happiness. They cannot provide long-term happiness because they're not Jesus. 
Only Jesus can provide that. Only the love of the Father can provide that. We need to remember, church, that self-worth and net worth are two different things. It's two different things. You can know who you are without having stuff. Amen. Uh, number five is the need for approval. And, and I will confess and admit in the open, this is exactly what I was talking about when I said shame. It, it, it was the need to perform so that other people would validate and would ascribe worth to my life and to my ministry. And that's why I felt like I want to run off shame, right? Because I'm missing something. I'm missing some worth and some value that God wants to speak over my life. I remember one time I was hanging out with Anthony Skinner, a recording artist, worship leader, and he told me, he said, you know, you can't repent of your need to be seen. The question is, who sees you? Who do you want to see you? Who do you want to see you? Do you want the Father to see you more than the crowd, or do you want the crowd to see you more than the Father? Because in that is a revelation of where you need to add love. People driven by the need for approval are driven by the expectations of others. I know some full-grown adults still trying to uh, earn the approval of unpleasable parents. Like in their 30s and their 40s, other people are driven by peer pressure. They're always worried about what other people think. You know, their, their whole feed is eaten up uh, by this drive. Like just trying to impress somebody you don't know with things you don't own. You know what I mean? Um, so here's a key to failure. I've learned this. Here's a key to failure for sure. Trying to please everybody. I don't, I don't claim to know all the keys to success, but I know that there is one key to failure. Just try to please everybody. It's a guarantee you'll fail. If you're controlled by the opinions of others, it's a guarantee you will miss God's dream for your life. You have to let go of the opinions of others. So those are the five things that I see that we can tend to be driven by, but God has a better way. Amen. And we know that in Mark chapter 12, God teaches us and you shall love. If you're being driven by anything other than love right now, I want you to go back to the beginning today and I want you to hit the reset button. Like fill your tank up with love. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 through 31 says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I love that heart actually means desire right there. Your soul, your inside, your strength, your outside, your mind, your intellect. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these, love. Love God, love people unto transformation. A world changer is someone who loves unto transformation. You know, when the father wanted to change the world, what did he do? John chapter three, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I want you to notice that the father's fuel was love. The Father's fuel for sending Jesus to die on the cross for your sin, for my sin, for our sin, right, was love. That was the fuel. That was the drive. It was love. So I want to encourage you today to fill up with love because you got a journey ahead. Turn to the person next to you say, fill up with love. You got a journey ahead. Let's go. Fill up with love. Here's the thing. If you choose the wrong fuel, you'll end up in the wrong place. If you choose the wrong fuel, you'll end up in the wrong place. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys have seen. Do you guys, anybody follow the dad? I'm not like publicly endorsing this because sometimes they get a little like, 
wonky. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I sometimes I follow them on Instagram and they post like funny dad memes. And I was thinking about fuel this week and I was like, man, I just got to share this with the church because it's hilarious. So can, did you guys see this? Text your dad this picture and, and say, I put oil in my car and now it's making weird sounds. Because like as an adult, how many times have you been texted by your father? It's like, change oil in that car yet? Right? It's like, why do dads think that's their responsibility? Like, your mind? I'm like, Dad, I'm 35 years old. Change the oil in that car yet? Yes. Jiffy Lube. High mileage oil every 5,000, you know? I even have them top it off, right? You know? It's just a dad thing, right? And so, so here, here's a few responses. You know, this is bad fuel. I put this oil in my car this morning. It's making weird noises. What should I do? Save money for a new car, one dad said, right? <laughs> What should I do? Are you kidding me? No, I, I, was, I, was, uh, I was showing to be a little slow, so I figured this would help. Not olive oil, so this wasn't a good idea. No, no, no. Are you about to disown me? Just did. <laughs> this is funny. Did you pour the entire thing in? Yeah. Why would you do something so dumb without asking me? I love this one. Hey, Dad, I put oil in my car, and now it's making weird sounds. Is your car speaking Italian now? Does it trash talk Olive Garden and want to go to a real restaurante? <laughs> this is great. I want to meet that, Dad. Change my oil. My engine started smoking. Is this right? You're adopted. Here's why I'm showing you guys this. If you choose the wrong fuel, you'll end up in the wrong place. If you choose the wrong fuel, you'll end up in the wrong place. Get fueled up with love. If you want to make the destination, and we can even call it the destiny that God has for your life, you have to get there by running on the right fuel. And if you're running on any on anything unhealthy, you're not going to reach your destiny. You're not going to reach your destination. You have to be fueled by the right thing. First John 4 19 says, we love because he first loved us. That means there's only one place that you can receive the right fuel, and that is from Jesus. God has loved you so that you can love him back. And if you'll pursue loving God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all your soul, and with all of your strength, you'll have everything that you need to love your neighbor as yourself. I can guarantee that. You'll have everything that you need to love your neighbor as yourself. All right, I'm going to give you four quick points and get out of your way today, okay? So I want you to drive in the right direction, and to do that, you need the right fuel, okay? So to drive in the right direction, you need the right fuel. Now, point number one is this. Ask God to search you. What's driving you right now? Just today, just ask God to search you. You know, David said in Psalm 139, 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Just for a moment, ask the Holy Spirit, God, what's driving me right now? Is it love for you and love for people? Do I love you so much that I want to obey you with all of my life? Do I love people so much that I'm willing to sacrifice for people I don't even know? Is love driving your life right now, world changer, or is anything else? Ask God to search you. What's driving you right now? Number two, repent and get rid of the old bad fuel. Psalm 32 and 5 says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. 
I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Anything that is revealed gets healed. Anything that is revealed gets healed. Don't, don't just say, well, if God wants to heal me of that, you know, of this bad fuel, he knows my address. No, be honest. Like whatever the Lord's bringing up to you today, if whatever could be driving you, whatever could be motivating you, bring that before the Lord and say, God, I repent of this. I want good fuel. I want good fuel. I'm open about it. Forgive me for it. Wash me clean and free of it. Empower me to be driven by love. Number three, fuel up before you drive off. Go to God first. Matthew chapter six, verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If you don't start by seeking God, you'll not have the fuel you need to get where he's called you to go. That's the fueling station. That's the fuel pump. That's where you have to start. Love must become your fuel. Love must motivate all that we do. Love for God and love for people. And here's point four, last point. Change the world by starting small. Change the world by starting small. Here's what I know, guys, is that changing the world is no small feat. Anytime we talk about global transformation, it's this huge idea. Anytime I get invited to go teach at a mission school or to go talk to a missions conference and we talk about the topic of changing the world and writing history and shaking nations, there's so many people who tune me out and shut me down because they're like, it's just too big of an idea. But here's what I felt like God told me to tell you this week, world changer, start small. Just start small. Love God and receive from God and then give it to the next person you meet. If you're on your way into work, you're driving, you're praying, you're worshiping, receive the love of God and then give it away to the first person you meet. Receive the love of God and then give it away to the person you're in line next to or give it away to the person in the elevator. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, you know, prophesy over them or get a crazy word of knowledge or see their body healed. Just simply share love. Simply share love. You never know what kind of bridge love is going to create. Simply love the person in front of you. Love your spouse. Love your kids. Love your coworkers. It's crazy how often we shout about, man, we want to change the world, but we don't, we don't love our spouse well. Don't love our kids well. Hey, guys, if it's not working at home, why would we export it? We're like, God, I want a world change in ministry. He's like, love your wife. You're like, I'm trying to do something more important. He's like, if it ain't working at home, I ain't exporting it. My wife said amen to that. <laughs> Ephesians 5 and 2 says, let love be your guide. Christ loved us and offered his life for us as a sacrifice that pleases God. Here's the last scripture I want to read to you. And it's kind of a sub point to the whole message, but as we are doing this together, guys, it's not just a group of individuals who have come to church on Sunday morning to get a little bit of motivation and leave out for their week. But guys, we're doing this together. We're doing this as one body, as one fellowship, as one church, as one family. We're doing this together. And here's what Colossians 3 and 14 says. It says, most of all, let love guide your life. For then the whole church will stay together in perfect harmony. When you choose to change your fuel, you'll bless the whole house. If you choose to change your fuel, you'll bless the whole house. Let's stand up together. We're going to pray. We're going to worship just one bridge, just one song.
not even a whole song, you know, but we wanna give love to God as we're closing out today in victory, knowing that He accomplished so much for us through His blood on the cross that we are well able to receive all that we need. We're well able to get good fuel, love, that displaces fear and guilt and anger and resentment and shame and comparison and all that conflict, we're well able to replace all of those things. So if you haven't yet, just close your eyes. You can leave your head up, please. If God is speaking to you right now and He just wants to replace that old fuel with new, new fuel, let Him. Just give it away. Let it go. Let go of that bad fuel. Whatever it is, repent of it right now. God, I repent of allowing fear to be my fuel. I repent of fear right now. You know, just, just let it go. I repent of anger being my, I repent of shame being my, whatever it is, whatever it is that we've been holding on to, to allow to drive us, just let it go and replace it with love today in Jesus name. Before we sing, if there is anybody in this house that does not know Jesus, I want to create an opportunity right now for you to respond. If you're not walking with the Lord, you're far from God and you need to come home. You genuinely know you need to get saved. Today is your day uh, to recommit your life to God or commit your life to Jesus for the first time with every eye closed. Will you just lift your hand up real quick? We just want to create an opportunity right now. Awesome. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just lift your hand up. We want to pray with you right now as one family, one body. Amazing. So we're going to pray with those that have lifted their hands. And Lord, we just pray right now, Jesus, I repent of my sins, all my bad fuel. I receive love. Let love drive me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with your righteousness. From this moment forward, I belong to you completely forever. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in. If you would like to support the ministry of Legacy Nashville, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org slash give. And if you're listening by iTunes, please log into the store and give us a good rating and a review. It helps our podcast become available to new listeners. God bless.